We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The Biden administration issues an ultimatum to TikTok. Sell the Chinese ownership or face a ban. The Chinese government itself has a share. Clearly, that's the that's what we're trying to get after. Author Jerry Boyer joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and what it means for you. So Silicon Valley Bank was sitting on two bubbles at the same time. Well, those two bubbles were popped. San Francisco, the latest city to crack down on gas appliances. Beginning in 2027, gas water heaters can no longer be sold and installed in the Bay Area. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, March 17th. I'm Mike Scott. The Biden administration has issued an ultimatum to TikTok's Chinese ownership. Sell the app or face a ban. Administration is turning up the heat on the social media app TikTok. NBC News has learned the White House is now demanding its Chinese parent company, ByteDance, sell its stake in the app or else face a possible ban here in the U.S. That move seems to be a massive blow to ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, who had promised to comply with a plan known as Project Texas which would force the company to house U.S. user data in domestic servers managed by a U.S. team. Reporter Kristen Welker lays out details of the White House's ultimatum for the social media app. The administration is demanding its Chinese owners, as you say, ByteDance, sell their stake in the social media giant, or else the administration is threatening a possible ban of the app here in the U.S., which would likely face major legal challenges, by the way. Now, this source also cautioned to me that the company does not see this as a final order. The news was first reported by the Wall Street Journal. We've reached out to the White House and to the Treasury Department overnight, but they declined to comment. At issue here, Joe, growing fears that China could use the app to access Americans' data, particularly because of a national security law there that requires companies to turn over customer data if requested. Welker goes on to read a statement from ByteDance regarding the ultimatum. Now, China's saying this morning that the U.S. had failed to prove that TikTok threatens national security, and overnight, TikTok is firing back in a statement. Let me read you part of that. They say, if protecting national security is the objective, divestment doesn't solve the problem. A change in ownership would not impose any new restrictions on data flows or access. Now, the company went on to suggest that a robust third-party monitoring, vetting, and verification process is what's needed. They say they're already doing that. Welker also says that next week will be a big one for the social media app. Yeah, this is going to be big, Joe. The CEO will be in the hot seat next week, as you say, testifying about all of this, about the potential security concerns for TikTok, about the potential impacts on young, younger users. So 
those are going to be among the questions that they'll be facing. And it does come as the Senate introduced a bipartisan bill just last week to give the Biden administration effectively more power to make moves against tech platforms like TikTok. And it would allow the administration to ban operation of that. The White House has previously shown support for that legislation. But the bottom line here, Joe, all eyes will be on Capitol Hill next week. Meanwhile, General Paul Nakasone appeared before Congress warning of the potential dangers that the app presents to Americans. One third of uh, one third of Americans get their news from TikTok every single day. One sixth of American youth say they're constantly on TikTok. That's a that's a loaded gun, Congressman. Independent Senator Angus King of Maine says that he and Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida have been sounding the alarm about TikTok for some time. Marco Rubio and I introduced a bill a month ago that outlined exactly the process that they're suggesting, which is if you don't divest and lodge ownership of this uh, operation of this company outside of China, then it will be banned. Uh, that's exactly what Marco and I uh, suggested. And the reason is there are two there are two national security reasons. One is that China actually has a law that any private company that's requested by the Chinese Communist government of to, to give up their data has to do so. So in effect, it makes any private company an agent of the of the Chinese Communist Party. And TikTok has enormous amounts of data, what you're doing with your phone, what you're looking at, what you're emphasizing, where you are. So that's a problem. The second problem is the power that this has to subtly or not so subtly influence people by what's chosen, by what you look at, by what comes on your feed. The senator from Maine went on to say that while Congress doesn't want to ban the app, they don't want an app owned by the Chinese Communist Party being used by millions of Americans. 62 million Americans have this thing in their pocket, and uh, so it is a serious risk. We don't want to ban it. But we do want to get the ownership into uh, 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 people or uh, companies that aren't beholden to the Chinese Communist Party. It's pretty straightforward. King points out that the CCP has a place on the board of ByteDance. To me, if, if the ownership is in the United States or in Canada or in Europe uh, and it's no longer has any uh, control or interest of, of, the, of the Chinese government. By the way, the Chinese government itself has a share of ByteDance, which is the owner of TikTok and I think a couple of seats on the board. So clearly that's, the, that's what we're trying to get after. This comes as reports have surfaced that suggest that the FBI and the Department of Justice are investigating what led TikTok's Chinese parent company, ByteDance, to allegedly use the app to surveil American journalists. ByteDance issued a statement saying, quote, We have strongly condemned the actions of individuals found to have been involved, and they are no longer employed at ByteDance. Our internal investigation is still ongoing, and we will cooperate with any official investigations when they are brought to us. On Thursday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen appeared before the Senate Finance Committee, and things got heated when she tried to explain why she thought inflation was transitory and why the proposed tax increases by the Biden administration will not go toward keeping Social Security solvent. 
Does the president know personally anybody who is dependent upon Social Security, and if their benefits are cut by 24 percent, they will slide into poverty? It's hard for you to know, uh, so I'll give you a pass on that. The president knows many people on Social Security. Then why doesn't the president care? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie, address. because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social, so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24%, we have not heard anything on our request. During questioning, Yellen seems to suggest that the Biden administration's policy of tax and spend has very little to do with inflation Americans are seeing. I consider high inflation um, the number one economic problem that all of us need to face and address. It's the president's top priority. Um, I was very supportive of the American Rescue Plan. Um, I, I think there are many factors that have contributed to high inflation. The Treasury Secretary went on to say that the government providing a safety net for depositors at Silicon Valley Bank is not a, quote, bailout, end quote. Shareholders and debt holders are not being protected by the government. Importantly, no taxpayer money is being used or put at risk with this action. Yellen also claimed that the president has led the United States into what she called and historic economic recovery. But acknowledged, inflation remains an issue on which more work needs to be done. Jerry Boyer, host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast and author of The Maker vs. The Tankers, joined the Daybreak Insider podcast and weighs in on whether people should be concerned about global banking. The thing is, when you have some kind of bank collapse, um, there is a tendency uh, for investors to say, well, wait a minute, uh, are, the, are the problems in that bank, say Silicon Valley Bank, completely specific to that bank, or would they affect similar banks? And then people start to, and then if a few other banks um, fall or fall into crisis, you know, like we saw with, um, with Signature and then First Republic, then people start to ask questions like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's not just similar banks like, for instance, regional banks that have a lot of technology loans, uh, but maybe it's banking in general. Or maybe it's not just U.S. banks. Maybe it's other banks around the world. Um, and then they ask, well, since so many sectors depend on banking, maybe it's economy wide. So people are trying to figure out you know, how far this goes and how fragile the system is. Boyer lays out why he believes what we're seeing today is not like the financial crisis of 2008. What we have now is a little bit similar to what we had in 2000, 2001 with the Enron crisis. So what we keep doing is instead of letting the market purge out the financial institutions that frankly weren't found, instead we just say, no, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want bankruptcies. Uh, We don't want to shut any of these things down. We're just going to run the money pumps again, creating another bubble, more inflation, and a bigger crisis down the line. The maker versus the taker's author explains what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. This one is much more contained. 
Um, the banking crisis of 2008 and 2009 was due to the mark-to-market accounting regulations, which affected every bank in America. Well, that's not what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. We didn't have some you know, major change in regulations. We had some bad banking. Uh, and we had a situation where a central bank, the Fed, created a bubble, created two bubbles, one in the treasury bond market, and the other was in Silicon Valley in the technology sector, because the, the government basically said, stay home, don't go to the store, just click on e-commerce and get everything delivered. And that created huge valuations uh, in um, the tech sector. So Silicon Valley Bank was sitting on two bubbles at the same time. It was a bank sitting on a lot of treasury uh, uh, and your treasury um, bonds. Uh, and it was also dealing largely with technology companies. Well, those two bubbles were popped in the past year. Boyer thinks what the White House is doing for depositors at Silicon Valley Bank is okay, but doesn't rule out the federal government fumbling the financial ball. I don't think we're in a situation like we were in 2008 and 2009, unless the government does something stupendously stupid, which you can never rule out. So if the Biden administration comes in and starts to hyper-regulate banks, if the government comes in and tries to solve the problem too much, then the problem's going to get a lot worse. But if they do what they're doing so far, which is basically to say we're going to guarantee depositors get their deposits back, even the ones who have more than the amount that is, is insured, and we're going to lend to these troubled banks or we're going to arrange for them to be bought by bigger banks that are stronger, then it seems unlikely that we're going to get something like 2008, 2009. The meeting of the Minds host gives some general advice on how average Americans can navigate the future of the economic crisis. My advice would be the same as always, which is, you know, watch your spending, live um, well beneath your means so that you have a margin, um, you know, follow your budget, um, you know, don't and get and get involved with debt that makes you more fragile uh be a good earner in other words work hard at your job be the most indispensable person at your job so that if we have a recession you're the last person to lay off when they when they do layoffs if they're laying off 90 percent of the workforce you're not you're in the 10 percent that gets kept there right um and if you're an entrepreneur be smarter work harder cut your costs uh, and get more efficient. Boyer also believes that these current economic headlines are telling Christians to get their financial house in order as well. This is a warning to the church. This isn't, this isn't the crisis, but this is a warning to be ready for the crisis. Get your act together, church. Get out of debt. Teach financial wisdom. And I mean institutional churches, and I mean church as in the people of God, so that when things, if we have something down the line, like the European debt crisis, or even worse, like the collapse of the pound, or something like that, we're the ones who are stable, who are financially well-grounded and emotionally and spiritually well-grounded, so that we can be a source of stability when people are unstable, so that when things are shaken, we're the things that cannot be shaken and remain. Boyer also believes that during hard times, it's more important than ever to give to charity. We should be supporting specifically Christian charities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing I say is with a tilt towards your own network. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, your your local church, or even if it's not your local church, maybe it's a 
Christian agency you have a relationship with and you're sponsoring somebody, but there's a long-term relationship. In other words, use your charitable dollar to strengthen your relationship network, to strengthen your social capital, because that's maybe the most important thing during tough times. The Daybreak Insider Podcast would like to thank Jerry Boyer for joining us. If you would like to read more from Jerry Boyer, follow him on Twitter at Jerry Lee Boyer. Listen to his Meeting of the Minds podcast on the Salem Podcast Network. And you can read his articles at world.org and the Christian Post. Texas officials are taking over Houston's nearly 200,000 student school district. Daybreak Insider's Jason Scott has more on the failure of one of the largest districts in the land. The decision by the state to intervene follows allegations of misconduct by school trustees and chronically low academic scores at one of the nearly 50 high schools in the nation's eighth largest district. The decision has angered Democrats who call the move political. Other big cities, including Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Detroit in recent decades have gone through such state takeovers. Such drastic measures are generally viewed as last resorts for underperforming schools. John Scott reporting. Regulators in San Francisco have implemented regulations that would ban the future sale of some gas-powered appliances as part of the city's so-called climate agenda. According to the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, which oversees air pollution and emissions for the city, they approved of the move in order to reduce so-called nitrogen oxide emissions from gas furnaces and water heaters. Going electric and ditching the gas, natural gas in your home. The Air Quality Management District Board voted unanimously to ban the sale of gas water heaters. And while it won't happen immediately, it's going to be a big change for homeowners and businesses. The action requires all commercial and residential furnaces and water heaters to be electric by 2027. The amendments came after the Air District closed a 45-day public comment period for a draft environmental impact report on February 6. Bay Area reporter Tom Jensen explains the details of that decision. Choice starts running out in 2026. Beginning in 2027, gas water heaters can no longer be sold and installed in the Bay Area. And gas furnaces and homes will have to be replaced with electric zero emission systems starting in 2029. And the large commercial new heating systems have to be zero emissions by 2031. There are nearly 2 million gas furnaces and water heaters in the Bay Area right now. And according to the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, the pollution rivals the emissions coming from vehicle tailpipes in the region. The district's communications manager told NBC Bay Area numerous citizens expressed concerns about the expense of replacing gas appliances with new electric ones. Meanwhile, San Francisco isn't the only Democrat and progressive-led city that has tried to move toward banning gas appliances. Los Angeles, San Diego, Seattle, and New York City have all enacted some restrictions on natural gas hookups over the last two years. Mortgage rates in the U.S. have dropped after five straight weeks of increases. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen takes a look 
at the brand new numbers. Mortgage buyer Freddie Mac says the average on the benchmark 30-year rate has fallen to 6.6%, down about an eighth of a point from last week. That's welcome news for home buyers as the housing market's spring buying season gets underway. Rates on 30-year mortgages usually track the moves of the 10-year Treasury yield, which lenders use as a guide to pricing loans. Treasury yields have tumbled since the collapse of two mid-sized U.S. banks, with the 10-year yield falling to under 3.5% Thursday. It was over 5% last week, its highest level since 2007. Mike Hemp in Washington. New data says that the deaths of pregnant women fell in 2022. We get more on this on the medical front from Daybreak Insider's Shelley Adler. The CDC says fewer women died during pregnancy last year than in 2021 when COVID-19 was a bigger issue. But the improvement is not good enough, according to Dr. Elizabeth Chirot, who's the chief medical and health officer for the March of Dimes. We really look at the trend and we're seeing the racial disparities in maternal health. So these, these disparities aren't explained by differences in age, but these are chronic inequities and unequal access to quality care is these higher rates. And it doesn't help that many clinics have been forced to close across the country. I'm Shelley Adler. And finally, it's St. Patrick's Day. And if you're trying to get into the holiday spirit beyond giving yourself a tall glass of Guinness, according to RetailMeNot.com, there are several restaurant chains offering free food and other deals. The soda bread. Oh, soda bread. You know, we have the, the soda Irish bread version of bread. And the scones. Not very good. Irish bacon. Irish. Harrington's Irish uh, bacon. Bacon and, and bread that's not as good as other bread. Irish soda bread. Yeah. Whole wheat bread. Uh, it's good for your system. It's good for your system. That's what they always say when you're eating something that's not tasty. Yeah. For example, at 7-Eleven, if you're a 7 Rewards member, you can get $2 off a 12-pack of hard seltzer. At Arby's, crispy fish sandwiches and corned beef Rubens. At Dunkin', you can get Irish cream-flavored coffee. And if you wear green to any Krispy Kreme location, you can get a free original glazed donut, but act fast. That deal does end today. Ah, if you'll excuse me, it's time for me Lucky Charms with my spoon made out of, you've guessed it, potato. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 